You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show host and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. And now, here's your hosts. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Reek, being joined by the publisher of thebarkboard.com, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Lucio. How are you doing? Oh, hanging in there. It's another, uh, uh, pretty much another season gone now for Fresno State, and uh, another successful one. Now Fresno State heads off to the conference final against Boise State, but before we get into that... We, we got to touch upon the, the latest, biggest news that recently happened for Fresno State, and that is the commitment of a local four-star recruit by the name of Jalen Cropper. Some of you may know him. He was a star player at Sanger uh, High for a couple of years, transferred over to Buchanan. Well, now he is firmly committed to Fresno State after turning down a lot of major schools. So, Jackson, what's more can you tell us about what just transpired? Yeah, I mean, this is big. <laughs> this is the guy that Fresno State normally doesn't get. And this is a product of Fresno State having back-to-back 10-win seasons, a coaching staff that is trying to snowball this thing and take the Bulldogs to greater heights and landing a top-notch kid in the Valley. And this hasn't happened except for guys named Carr and Brown who had family ties when you land a local four-star recruit. This is kind of uncharted territory <laughs> for quite some time and this is something that can change things because we're in an era right now where all these high school kids nearby are pretty close together. There's so a lot of them have Fresno State in their top schools, but realistically, are they going to stay? I don't know. If you look at Kendall Milton, he can go to Alabama or USC. But now he's got his buddy Jalen Cropper staying home, and you've got a bunch of other kids that are like the next tier down but are power five level kids that are thinking, hey, if Cropper's staying home, maybe I'll team up with him. So. <laughs> Cropper alone is going to be big as a four-star recruit, a receiver that's going to come in in a unit that's going to lose eight seniors next year. He's going to have a chance to play right away and figures to be an impact player right off the bat and shapes up to have a good four years at Fresno State. Um, But, I mean, it's big all around. Him alone, what it could possibly mean going forward. And, I mean, you were there when he made the announcement. What what was that like? I mean, the the whole place – um, you know, as he's pulling off that sh- uh, that sweatshirt to reveal the shirt, once that shirt became apparent to what it was, that whole room <laughs> erupted. Uh, there was a lot of local fans for Fresno State. There was some others with their op- with their mouths wide open, kind of like in shock that it even happened. Uh, and we're you know we're expecting him to either go to to Utah or 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 um Cal or even or even Nebraska uh, out of all schools. Those were some of the top choices that were in there and some that people thought were a shoe in uh for Cropper to go. But being a local kid, it was important to be closer to home for his family, for his mom. If you haven't seen it already, uh, there's part of his mom's uh you know making a comment about how she was struggling with the idea of him leaving leaving the state how was she going to get to his games and be able to see him play and to cropper that was important to stay closer to home to allow his family to see him play that and the fact that he absolutely loves the bulldogs he's been hanging around this program for the longest time now jackson you and i both have seen him at just about every home game (laughs) uh even some of the open practices he's been showing his face so to me I, I, I don't know, Jackson. I think I'm one of the few people who, from day one, has said he was probably going to land at Fresno State. And even I started, at the end, started <laughs> to change my mind that it wasn't going to happen. But I think I was one of the few that actually thought it was even a possibility for him to come here. I mean, what do you think, Jackson? Yeah, I was with you there for a while until these last couple of weeks when more and more of the national experts were putting their crystal ball picks in for Utah and I'll tell you, some of them reached out to their sources Saturday night, and it was a consensus Utah. One of the sources was Kendall Milton. I know <laughs> he he told one of these guys, "Yeah, he's going to Utah." <laughs> uh, Milton was one of those guys with their mouths wide open, I believe, when Cropper picked Fresno State. So, 
I mean, it's a really a testament to Fresno State what they were able to do in those last 24, 30 hours before he made his announcement because it really sounds like something clicked there, or whether it was just Cropper deep down wanting to stay home or if Fresno State really sold the message in that, that last stretch, something happened. And, I mean, this move has potential to have consequences and uh, positive ones for Fresno State in terms of more local recruits jumping on board. And it would be amazing if that happens, considering how close Cropper probably was to going elsewhere. Now, there's I mean, there's a number of scenarios that could happen. There could be a bunch of dominoes beginning to start to fall. There is now doubt in other recruits' minds. <laughs> Maybe they're thinking now, you know, hey, Cropper's there. We could really build something special if we all showed up there at the same time. And it's still not out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> Things could still happen. But, you know, as far as that is concerned, it's still very fluid. It's something Jackson and I will keep an eye on. But if if anything does come of it, the bark board is where you want to be. Um, and it's probably, I hate to tell you, for those who are not premium subscribers, it's going to hit the premium boards first. <laughs> uh, and if you are not one of those people who are not uh, on the inside uh, of of these recruits' inner circle, you probably won't find out unless you're looking at our, our, our board there. Um, and we're going to do what we can to find out more information on some of these other recruits. And Jackson... Any 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 bit about that you want to share at the moment uh, that you you got on the back of your head there? Yeah, well, um, I will share. There's a few guys in town that are committed elsewhere that may be <laughs> may. I mean, there's a couple of weeks till early signing period, and I know a few of those guys are they're going to take another hard look at Fresno State before they go off to where they're currently committed. And then you've got other guys. I mentioned Kendall Milton, the five-star running back at Buchanan. You've got Jalen McMillan at uh, San Joaquin Memorial, who's a four-star receiver. He should probably be a five-star guy. He's got many of the same offers Milton has. And, I mean, the thought of them staying at Fresno State is a real long shot. But now this kind of makes it plausible. And Milton's already has Fresno State in his top school. So, But even so, I mean, Coach Tedford and his staff, they've recruited the Valley pretty hard since they've gotten here. But the players we're talking about are a different tier. Um, you know, a lot of the players in the Valley are guys that the staff uh, scouted very hard. You think of Chris Coleman, who was not a very highly rated recruit who uh, he's played some receiver already as a redshirt freshman. Um, Moria Edwards and Isaiah Johnson, they're guys from the Valley that were those high three stars. I think those are the kinds of kids that this really opens the door for that Fresno state can beat a Washington state or a Kansas or some of these lower power five schools that take kids away from the Valley. This could turn those. And then you cross your fingers that maybe they hit one of those home runs like Milton or McMillan, because I mean, that's kind of how Miami, Florida got going a few decades ago. All the local kids grouped together and they stayed home and they built something really special. And, in the Mountain West, if you have a Jalen McMillan and a Kendall Milton and a, a Jalen Cropper and Jaden Casey, those guys will dominate the Mountain West and give Fresno State a real shot to achieve those dreams that they've had their eyes on for so long. Now, this could this could open up a whole other realm of possibilities for Fresno State in in the recruiting uh, aspect. I mean, it could it could be a game changer pretty much mm. uh, if if Fresno State's able to land two or three more of these top tier players that are local here in the valley. Um, things could start to kind of snowball in the next few years because players players gravitate to one another, mm. and when you start getting some of these high profile players going somewhere, then that opens the eyes up for some of these other players who wouldn't necessarily think of Fresno to begin with who are just more concerned with getting out of the valley. Right. Now there's a reason to stay. <laughs> and so this this could be another one of those opportunities that Fresno State's going to have to seize and, and just try and see if they can catch that lightning in a bottle and just try to make it go a little further here. Uh, I mean, if something were to happen, we're probably going to find out within the next couple of weeks, right, Jackson? That sounds like it, um, especially with the early signing period when you're looking at the 2019 kids. Uh, we'll know. I mean, there's a couple three-star guys in the Valley that are supposed to be going elsewhere. And if those turn, I mean, it's going to have to happen pretty quick. Um, and if they don't sign at all in December, you'll know something's up or they're really thinking things over before making that move. 
Yeah, so, you know, things are starting to get interesting. It's starting to heat up. If you haven't had a chance, head over to thebarkboard.com. Jackson has had his, uh, what would he call it, the, the recruiting hot board. Yeah. Uh, he gives us his up-to-the-minute recruiting analysis of the potential candidates that could be going to Fresno State, that could be making a decision on Fresno State, and he kind of breaks it down for you uh, from beginning till end there as far as those prospects are concerned, who he thinks the Bulldogs have a legitimate shot at. Now, some of those may not even be on that board uh, because, you know, we're trying to figure it out still. So, <laughs> But other than that, I mean, if you hadn't had a chance, go over there, check it out, uh, our hot board. And also, you know, we've got some uh, some of our coverage from the Jalen Cropper uh, commitment on thebarkboard.com that if you haven't checked it out already – head on over there and you can see some of that. Uh, a lot of it is available uh, as free to the public. Um, our f- complete entire interview is available in our premium section. So if you haven't done that, head over there and take a look at that and and give it a shot. Now, that being said, Jackson, Fresno State just finished up the season against their rival, San Jose State. And I tell you what, Jackson, I, w- I mean, both of us were there at that game. And for the first half, that was a complete snorefest. <laughs> I, 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 there's no other way to put it. The game was literally three to nothing at halftime, and it wasn't because it was a, speci- a, a you know a, a dominating force of defense. Uh, you know, it wasn't spectacular on either side of the ball, and it was three to nothing. <laughs> And it was. It seemed like everybody's feet was in quicksand. What What do you think about that, Jackson? What's your overall opinion on that? Yeah, that first half was ugly, <laughs> and I think it was a combination of things. Um, the, the stadium was kind of empty when those seniors came out to be honored for their last home game, and I felt like that sucked a little bit out of the energy from the team. And uh, the final attendance was only twenty six thousand, which was the lowest of the year. Um, so that was a little disappointing, but uh, Thanksgiving weekend and uh, rainy weekend, I mean, those factors play in, and San Jose State is not the draw they used to be for fans in the Valley, <laughs> at least not at this time. I don't think they're that draw yeah. either. <laughs> so. But as far as what happened on the field, and you know, I cover some San Jose State football as well, and their quarterback situation was a mess. They uh, had three scholarship quarterbacks going into the season, Um Excuse me, only two, yeah, three. One left the team before the season started. One was injured in this game, and the other had kind of been reduced of his role. So San Jose State rolled out two walk-on quarterbacks, a senior and a true freshman. And, you know, those two guys don't start anywhere else in the Mountain West. That <laughs> It's just a, a tough situation for the Spartans. So that That's the quarterbacks they had to go with. And against Fresno State's defense, they weren't going to have much success. Uh, the Spartans don't run the ball very well either, so you just knew the Bulldogs were going to shut down the Spartans. It was just a matter of when Fresno State's offense was going to score, and it didn't happen for the first 30 minutes at all, just the field goal. Finally, they got it going in the second half, and they had some explosive plays too. Uh, three offensive touchdowns and a 95-yard interception return. Uh, that was enough to get the momentum going and get the confidence back for a big week coming up for the conference championship game. Yeah, I mean, it was... <laughs> <laughs> it was ugly. Um, and finally, you know, in the, in the second half, that's when they started to kind of get those big plays going. But it, it seemed like in the first half, San Jose knew exactly what the Bulldogs were going to do and pretty much had those those type of big plays shut down. Uh, the the coverage on the wide receivers was pretty much excellent. Uh, there was nowhere for McMarion to go. The running game just could not get going for whatever reason. And so, I, I don't know, what do you think? Was a, a lot of it had to do with the second half adjustments that once the Bulldogs kind of figured out what San Jose was doing to them, they were they just kind of shwi- uh, shifted gears a little bit and kind of opened it up a little bit. Do you think that that's what the case was? Yeah, I also think San Jose State, doing the job that they were doing for 60 minutes was going to be tough. They needed some help from their offense because you know when you – are relying on your defense to get stop after stop after stop. It kind of wears you down after a while. Um, the Spartans have you know, one really good cornerback with Dakari Monroe. Uh, he's right up there with Tank Kelly statistically. Those two were first-team All-Mountain West players. Uh, they had linebacker Jesse Osuna causing some havoc, and um, the Bulldogs just weren't quite having the, the pass protection they normally have. The Spartans did enough to get back there and disrupt a lot of the passing uh, attempts that Fresno State was making. Uh, but eventually... 
it started to wear down. I think um, you could tell that's I was on the taking pictures quite a bit of it on the Spartan sideline, and every time that offense came off the field, that team was just deflated because they weren't moving the ball at all. Every time the defense came off the field, they were amped up. They thought they were getting an upset, and you can only ride that roller coaster so long against the even killed team like <laughs> Fresno State. Uh, well, the the fact that that the defense was just all fired up, uh, and, uh, there's a difference. You know, you can be all fired up all you want, but if your offense isn't going to do anything, that's only going to last so long. <laughs> Um, and you know, we, we knew that Fresno state eventually was going to break through. We just didn't expect them to break through, um, in the second half. I, I, I thought it was going to be probably, you know, the second drive maybe of the game, but it, it took them all the way until the second half. And then once they did break through, it was like the floodgates opened, uh, the scoring just started happening at will, um, which then made that second half a lot more exciting and, you know, a lot worthwhile to sit there and watch, <laughs> One key factor, you know, Keyshawn Johnson did break the all-time receiving yards um, uh, for a wide receiver at Fresno State, uh, and that that was a big moment for him as well, wasn't it, Jackson? Yeah, uh, he had a big game. It was like seven catches, 150-plus yards, and a touchdown, I believe. Or, I mean, that was an impressive <laughs> night, and it was just another one of many that he's had. Broke another record with receiving yards. Uh, he knew what he needed to do to break the receptions records a few weeks back and did it against Hawaii, I believe, and knew that how many yards he needed against San Jose to break that yardage record as well. And now he's on top of both of those lists uh, for the foreseeable future. Um the Bulldogs receiving unit is a veteran group, so it's going to take probably another four plus years before we see someone break it. Maybe it's Jalen Cropper, maybe it's Amore Edwards. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say uh, that some a few promising freshman receivers, but they are going to have to share the the load with all those guys leaving and a lot of spots up for grabs next year. I mean, if anybody can do it, it's going to be one of those two guys, Jalen Cropper or Amore Edwards. Both are special players. Uh, and both could actually, you know, just light up defenses, it, you know, considering if they can get the right type of quarterback back there, hmm. if if they can give enough time for that quarterback to find them, that is going to be the next questions coming up for next season. You know, they're going to be replacing a lot of this offensive line. They're going to be replacing a very serviceable quarterback. And granted, you know, Jorge Reina is going to be coming in. He does have a little bit of experience. Does he have enough to kind of get this offense going next year? I think right now, if you put Jorge Reina in at quarterback, this offense doesn't skip a beat. But next year, there's not just losing the quarterback. They started eight seniors against San Jose State, and it wasn't because it was senior day. That was just the lineup <laughs> that they went with. And that's where the concern comes in. They're going to lose a lot of receivers, a lot of offensive linemen. And if Reina struggles, I think it's more to do with the pieces around him than himself. Uh, but Reina's got a heck of an arm he's a playmaking guy he, he can be mobile in the backfield to create extra space uh it's just he's a little more i guess aggressive than mcmarion is and uh, that's where we're gonna see make or break kind of plays whether it's uh the interception or the huge touchdown pass i think arena is gonna bring a little more flair and uh, that can be good and that can be bad because <laughs> it's a double I think uh, marcus has only got like what, two interceptions this year he's been so careful with the ball so it should be exciting, and uh, he's going to have to break in a lot of young players around him. But it should be the right man for the job. Now we did say almost we almost said the same thing about two years ago, right before McMarion came in. Uh, you know, we mm. we did not expect anything out of this offense because uh, they just came off a one win season, and now you know it, the the kind of the same thing is happening. A lot of these. Seniors are going to be graduating, so there's what? How many was there? Twenty eight, yeah, seniors <laughs> that graduated this year, and majority of those were starters. It's going to be an uphill battle next year, right? Yeah, yeah. The Bulldogs. The good thing is they've recruited very well the last couple of years, and they've got players that are poised to be special and starter caliber players. There, you don't see many holes, but. It's the difference between plugging in those names and star rankings and looking at a freshman or a redshirt <laughs> freshman or a sophomore playing their first major minutes. There's growing pains, and uh, that was the case with the defensive line this year, and they haven't skipped too much of a beat on defense. Uh, eight out of 11 starters might be a little bit of a different task, and you expect to have some growing pains, but they should have enough to be competitive. And you know, It also comes down to momentum. If the Bulldogs go win this conference championship game, Maybe they get that New Year's Six Bowl. 
those players that are stepping into those positions are going to have a whole lot of support and confidence going to USC to start next season against the Trojan team that is in total disarray right now. What 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 kind of baffles me? What well, well doesn't surprise me is uh, there's USC fans already counting Fresno State as a loss. <laughs> <laughs> that's how bad they have given up on the USC Trojans. They're already saying Fresno State's going to come in there and win. Now, I to me, that's kind of putting the, the carriage in front of the horse um, because this is going to be an unproven team that the Bulldogs are going to have. Now, you know, fans can go in there beating their chest and, and you know, thinking the dogs have a chance. But right now... We won't know until we start seeing that spring ball happening, right, yeah. Jackson? That to us, that's when we start to kind of figure things out. And right now, uh, I, I'm I'm kind of cringing already with that many seniors leaving the team. So um, I, I'm just hoping that things can continue to go where they they've been headed in the last couple of years. But you know, the players of the game, you had. Ronnie Rivers at running back, and I believe defense was Michael Walker, right? The the top uh, the players of the game of the week, I believe so. Um, they had quite a few good performances. Um, uh, what stood out to me most was Aaron Mosby's big interception oh, return. That was something else. The pick six. And they yeah. ran right past Jalen Cropper in the crowd. You never know if that might have <laughs> been something that put it over the top for him. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I had a conversation with Cropper, and I said, "What did you think about your your boy Mosby there returning the the kick?" He goes. Man, I thought he was going to get caught when he made that cut. <laughs> he goes, I, I was going to give him crap because you know he made that cut. I would have never made that cut, and and but when he made that cut, he took off running and no one caught him. I was he, he was I was surprised. <laughs> to me, that made me laugh a little bit because to me, you don't know what kind of cut Cropper would have made. Cropper is a special type of player. He probably would have done like. 10 times more more cuts during that whole return. Uh, but, you know, that was that electrified the crowd when that interception happened. It was probably the most fun point of the whole game, don't you think, Jackson? Yeah. I mean, you don't see that every day. And those are the type of plays you remember for some time. With If you're there watching it, you think of that play, uh, Jameer Jordan's field goal return. Uh, those are going to be remembered for quite some time. Yeah, we've had a, we've had a, a few big plays here at Bulldog Stadium this season. It's kind of uh, it's bringing back the good old the good old day memories because that used to happen quite often here at Bulldog Stadium and with the 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 regime change kind of it, it kind of lost its luster a little bit and but now it feels like it's come back again. Fresno State is back to that point where the big plays are becoming the norm again, which is a good thing. Um it, you know what they say defense wins championships but offense sells tickets <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's what the bulldogs need right now is they need to start uh, turning up the offense a little bit more so they can sell more <laughs> tickets uh, maybe the crowd will start to fill up that stadium uh but the, you know moving on fresno state after beating uh san diego state a couple of weeks ago clinched the the other position for the West Division to go uh, face the winner out of the Mountain Division for the Mountain West Championship. It ended up being Boise State came out with a narrow victory over Utah State, I believe. And now Fresno State needs to travel back to Boise again. I guess it's the fourth time in a year. Uh, from what I heard, uh, the four times in the last 365 days that the Bulldogs <laughs> have had to face the, Bull- the the Broncos. Fourth time, third time traveling. So, uh, so <laughs> it's going to be... A, They're very familiar uh, with each other. These two teams are, at the moment, are just tired of seeing each other. Uh, but I bet you anything, the Bulldogs, you know... Have a, have a short memory and want to get back there and really take care of business... What are your thoughts on this matchup? I know the Broncos right now, last time they faced, they were underdogs. This time they face, they're actually um, favored by three points, I think. What are your thoughts on, on this matchup? Yeah, this one, after seeing what happened last time, it makes me nervous. Uh, there was a, a pivotal point in that Boise State game where the Broncos had gone into Bulldog territory five straight times and only had three points, and the Bulldogs jump out to a 17-3 to lead, and you felt like they were going to run away with it. 
And then you started to realize all that Boise State had been doing in the first half to get into position to score but failing was going to keep working, but now they were going to finish those drives off with touchdowns. And the interesting thing was in the first half, they were trying their Boise trick plays, the kind of the signature of the Broncos, and they weren't very successful. And then they just basically ran it down the Bulldogs' throats, used the physicality, which has become a, a buzzword in this series, and it worked. And they really were the more physical team, and they just ran it up the gut, made very favorable second and third down situations, and just plowed their way to three straight touchdowns to win the game. And it makes you wonder if they would have just if they would have came out that way in the first half, it might have been even more lopsided. But at the same time, if Fresno State makes one or two stops there in the second half before the Broncos get going, maybe the Bulldogs run away with it. So it's tough to tell, and you just have to hope Fresno State is going to make the proper adjustments, uh, particularly on the lines. Uh, Marcus McMarion had a, a tougher day having time in the pocket and on the defensive side of course uh, Boise State was running the ball effectively enough to move it every drive essentially Um, so Fresno State's really got to bind down in between uh, the tackles and the trenches and that's going to be the difference in this game if it plays out the same way it did last week or the last time a few weeks back I think it's going to be tough for the Bulldogs to get this win Um, but it's hard to beat a team twice in one season, as we saw in reverse roles last year when Fresno State won the first matchup and lost the championship the following week. Um, there's also, I mean, these two teams have played so clean the last three games. Uh, you almost feel like it's due for a, something like a pick six or some some of these unusual plays to, to creep up because there has not been many turnovers. There's not been a lot of big plays. It's two teams that are focused on field position, moving the ball methodically, and it just matches up for very evenly played games. And I, I got to expect something very similar on Saturday. Now, I, I know last game, one of the biggest problems that Fresno State had, uh, they pretty much shot themselves in the foot, was with penalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first two drives had two huge um either delay a game or what was it the offsides or you know type of plays that really kills the momentum of a, of an offense you think that that's being stressed upon very hard this past week in in training uh, uh the coaching staff has probably been been probably getting on the guys a lot more about that kind of uh, kind of penalties you think that's going to be a focus for the bulldogs going into this game yeah, you know, even the previous time, they spent all week piping in noise and practice trying to get them ready for that. I mean, the Bronco Stadium doesn't hold a whole lot. Uh, there was about 30,000-plus in attendance for that game, but the way it's configured, much like Bulldog Stadium, I mean, they're two very different stadiums, but the way that they're made makes it really loud. Uh, the Bronco Stadium, those fans, they're on top of you pretty good. The second deck is very vertical and <laughs> right on top of the first deck. So it just feels like they're right up against you. Even though there's a area where a track used to be, they're, they're distanced a little bit, but the noise just hits you and they're, they're into the game. When you have that many winning seasons in a row, there's tradition and they're the fans that are up cheering, getting loud on first down just as they are on third down. So uh, it's a different environment. And when you're Fresno State and you go to Nevada and you go to UNLV and you go to New Mexico and you go to, I mean, all these schools that don't, don't put people in the stands and you kind of have to create your own energy, it's a different environment, even though it's not, you know, you, I won't say USC at the moment, but, you know, it's not like uh, Camp Randall in Wisconsin or something where uh, there's tens and tens of thousands of fans pouring in noise it it's still a tougher environment for fresno state and jeff tedford's called it one of the loudest places he's been in and he's been in the pac-12 for over a decade so um i mean you don't want to give boise state your credit their credit when you're fresno state but it's true and um the and the motions will probably be different they were just there a few weeks ago i don't think they'll be as jittery early on at the same time, they've been to that stadium twice in a year, and both times have been very disappointing, and you hope that that doesn't stick in the back of their mind when they step on that turf either. Now, if you were the coaching staff, do you continue doing what you've been doing all year, or do you try to put in a new wrinkle? Because obviously what they did last last uh, last time they faced the Bulldogs, I mean the, the Broncos, it didn't work. I mean, those 17 points, actually, I was surprised they even got those 17 points. Um <laughs> Is there 
do you kind of try to change it up a little bit and try try to catch the Broncos off guard, or do you just stick what you what you've been doing all year and hope that it works? They'll make wrinkles, but I think the basics will be very similar. And this team, this coaching staff, is kind of you know we put the best we can do and live with the outcome kind of thing. And they are very strict on staying on schedule. They're not going to get desperate and throw the deep ball if they don't have to. They want to just get favorable second down, favorable third down, and just keep moving the ball 10 yards at a time, get enough points on the board to win games and play sound defense that is going to put you on top at the end. Uh, Last time Fresno State was in Boise, as you mentioned, the penalties, when you get – even a, a false start, they got two of them back to back, and you go from third and one to third and eleven. That hurts this offense. I feel like more than you know, if you have Derek Carr and Devonte Adams, you might pick up twelve yards on a whim. <laughs> but this offense isn't quite that. They need to be in third and favorable, and when you have those types of, of situations, it, it really hurts them. It hurts any offense to be in third and long, but this offense is made to get into third and two, third and three, and just keep moving the ball. And they weren't in those situations last time. They went two for 10 on third down on the flip side, Boise state was doing exactly that. They converted 10 third down attempts. So that's the key in my mind is avoiding those mistakes that put you in third and long and playing more sound on defense. The the tackling was not very good at Boise last time. Uh, they got to stop Alexander Madison and hold him to short gains on first and second down to have a shot too on that side. Yeah, that's one thing that kind of uh, threw me for a loop was how good the Bulldogs have been all year against the run. Mm-hmm. Yet against Boise, they just couldn't stop the run for some reason. So the the Broncos kind of figured out how to attack this off this defense of Fresno State, and it, it kind of threw the the whole team off guard a little <laughs> bit. I think in that in that game. Now the dogs know what to expect, and they know uh, that the Broncos are probably going to try to shove the the run down their throat again. Do they kind of gear towards that that run more, or do they, you know, try to stay with what they have uh, been doing all year? Because you never know. Broncos might think might might switch it up too and say. You're going to expect the run. We're going to start throwing it. So what do you think about that kind of a situation, Jackson? Yeah, and it's really different because we're not used to seeing the same team twice in a year, and you've got to mix it up a little bit. You can't come out with the exact same game plan. Uh, But Boise State, the interesting thing is they came into that game not running the ball very well. Uh, Fresno State was number 88 in the nation, and Boise State was number 89 in the nation in running going into that game. We obviously saw two different levels of, of running. The Boise State was clearly the better team that day running the ball. Um, and uh, as a point, Alexander Madison, their key running back, had only hit 100 yards twice all year before that game. When you look at what he's done against Fresno State, uh, New Mexico, and Utah State these last three weeks against two ranked teams in that group, 87 carries for 489 yards and six touchdowns in 12 quarters of football. <laughs> I mean – this offense has changed dramatically in the last three weeks because Madison is just running out of control. He's, it looks unstoppable. And I think they're going to ride the hot hand, and it's going to be up to Fresno State to say, uh, you're not going to do that this time, and you're going to have to make some adjustments at halftime, or if Madison just keeps running the way he has. And it's probably going to be tough for the Bulldogs to win if Madison puts those kinds of numbers up for another week. Now, one thing is for sure, if somehow the Bulldogs are able to pull off a win – McMarion would be the only quarterback to win two games against the Broncos, right, Jackson? Yeah, I believe so, and would be <laughs> the first to win on the blue turf against the Boise State Broncos. So, I mean, McMarion can really leave a legacy with these last two weeks, depending <laughs> on what happens. That's sad to say. <laughs> the only quarterback to win two games against Boise. I mean, it's just, it, it for some reason, since Boise State has come into this league, the Bulldogs have had a hard time with them and it all leads back to that one fateful play that <laughs> i see on the internet all the time by boise state fans the day it all began <laughs> was the day that that fresno state special teams hit the the um kick, the punt returner hmm. uh after he called a fair catch right yeah and to them that's when it all began the rivalry 
Uh, and f- <laughs> and you know what? They've had her, they've had the Bulldogs number since. Hmm. I mean, what can you do at that point? It, you know, they still have that in the back of their mind. <laughs> Bulldog fans are sitting here going, "Oh man, we just want to win." <laughs> but well, I think that's a key for Fresno State here because we all remember that game, but this coaching staff and these players don't. And this rivalry for them only goes back to last year. And now if they've they've already gone to Boise twice and lost emotional games, and if they lose three, it feels like a whole other generation of, you know, oh Boise. They've got to even things out <laughs> with this game to avoid that long term uh, aura that Boise State has in this series. Yeah, and that's gonna be a that's gonna be a tall order. I mean, but if any team can do it, it's this year's team. Uh, to overcome this is the first time I've seen a, a team just uh, haven't like imploded after a loss mm-hmm. they they've been able to kind of keep things going you know they take the loss and they keep going take the loss and keep going in the past you know they had a team that was just rolling winning 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 lose and then all <laughs> of a sudden it was a string of losses behind that I mean you remember those days yeah. back to the Pat Hill days mm-hmm. for some reason it just happened all the time. It's not happening with this team, and you see that you you've got a chance to go out and kind of take a look at what they've been doing this week. What's your overall assessment of where this team is in their mindset? Yeah, I mean that's a testament to Coach Tedford and the staff. They preach every week, and it's not the most exciting to hear on press day, but they approach every game the same. You know, if we're doing something special this week, why weren't we doing it all year? Kind of thing. That's the the mantra, and they just go at it. The same way they do every week and live with how they perform pretty much. And for so far, it's been they've come out on the better end way more times than not. Um, but this is another one where Fresno State and Boise State are going to approach this game very similarly <laughs> and uh, it could come down to another fourth quarter finish. Yeah. And, and a lot of bowl implications in this one. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, winner of this one could still get one of those New Year Six games. <laughs> But there is a catch. UCF has to lose, right? Yep. And if UCF loses, then there's going to be a whole lot more on the line for these two teams. (laughs) Now, does UCF play at the same time or they play a little earlier in the day? UCF should be finishing that game right about the time Fresno State and Boise State kick off. So So you're going to know that if UCF (laughs) loses that game... There's going to be people on the sidelines on both sides of the ball <laughs> telling them we need to win this one. I bet Boise State's got some sort of update on the scoreboard. If UCF loses, they're going to announce that and people are going to go nuts. <laughs> so that's going to be a little bit of a difference. And if that happens and UCF loses, that crowd is going to get a lot more intense <laughs> in that stadium and because they're going to try and help their, their Broncos. The Bulldogs are just going to have to weather that storm and try to come out of this one victorious. And it's going to make for a whole different game if UCF goes down, don't you think, Jackson? I mean, it's going to make things a lot harder in there for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to get, I mean, yeah, the the energy is going to go up or down to an extent based on what happens. And right now with UCF, they lost the quarterback McKenzie Milton with a, a gruesome leg injury last week. They barely beat Memphis by one point with him earlier in the year. So, this isn't a case where number eight undefeated UCF is a shoe in to win. I mean, they could really lose the game. There's a, a decent chance that it could happen, and that sets the table for a huge game on the blue turf. And uh, it's going to ramp up or maybe take a hit right around kickoff. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be a tough environment, and a lot of emotions are going to be riding on that. Now we were avoiding trying to get we were trying to avoid having this come down to the very last game of the season. <laughs> but you and I have no control over that. <laughs> um so it's going to come down to this last weekend of where the Bulldogs are going to be heading. Either they're going to be heading to a New Year's Six Bowl with the loss of UCF or it's going to be um one of the top tier bowls like Las Vegas Bowl or something like that here in the Mountain West, or maybe somebody else is going to take a chance on them. What What are your some of your bowl scenarios that could happen? Yeah, it can get very good or very disappointing <laughs> in a hurry. I mean, you've got four outcomes uh, this weekend based on whether Fresno State or Boise State win, whether UCF Memphis wins. Um, 
But if Fresno State beats Boise State, they're going to be in good shape no matter where they go. Either UCF loses and they'll probably go to the Fiesta Bowl. And there's been some confusion why that is. Uh, the group of five team has to be a conference champion to get that spot. So even though UCF would only have one loss, probably still be ranked ahead of the Bulldogs. They're out if they lose this weekend. And Fresno State or Boise State is in based on winning their conference championship. And it's probably going to be the Fiesta Bowl. Um, it could be the Peach Bowl, but probably Fiesta. Um, if UCF wins and Fresno State win, probably Vegas. I know Vegas wants Fresno State if they can. Um the conference champion typically goes there for the the bowl game, and that's against the Pac-12, which is always a, a good matchup. Uh, there's a chance that some of these other provisional tie-ins could show their heads. Um, there's the Red Box Bowl at Santa Clara, and there's the Cheez-It Bowl in Phoenix. Those are not guaranteed. There's not, um, there's not automatically a Mountain West team that goes there. But if the Bulldogs fall or want to look for an alternative, those would be the two. Um, if the Bulldogs lose and those alternatives don't open up, then you start going down the barrel to some of these bowl games that Fresno State fans are either used to or not too excited about, and you're thinking Boise, New Mexico. I don't think they'd send the Bulldogs back to Boise again, uh, but New Mexico would probably be on the table. For Fresno State, uh, Coach Tedford has expressed he doesn't like these early bowl games, uh, which the Vegas Bowl is one of them, but that's a hard one to pass (laughs) pass up. The last bowl game the Mountain West has a direct tie-in to is the Arizona Bowl, uh, which is December 29th, I believe, uh, in Phoenix. And uh, while that's a convenient time for the coaching staff to play, Fresno State fans probably won't be too excited about matching up against Arkansas State, who has accepted the Sun Belts (laughs) side of that bowl game. So for Fresno State, if you win... Uh, on Saturday, you take care of business, and whether you're in Vegas or you're in the Fiesta Bowl or you're in one of these other two nice bowl games they could end up in, you're feeling pretty good. But uh, if they fall, there's a, a few different scenarios that can play out, and uh, hopefully they're not playing Arkansas State. I think that would be a, a <clears throat> kind of a disappointing way for this team to end a special year. Uh, if anybody, I mean, I'd rather watch the, um, Appalachian State versus yeah. Arkansas State um, <laughs> in in that kind of a matchup. But you know, we're not the we're not the committee that chooses the teams, um, and for. I know for Bulldog fans, if they end up in the New Mexico Bowl, uh, that's pretty much going to be called a disappointment for the season. After what they've been able to accomplish this season, fans just uh, are not going to be thrilled at all with a New Mexico matchup. Um, And I don't blame them. (laughs) You've been there this year already. How do you feel about going back again (laughs) for a second game? I actually enjoyed Albuquerque. I never thought I would w- want to go there, but <laughs> personally, it was a fun time. I like that place. It's probably not very pleasant weather-wise in December, and uh, it's not the most convenient place to get to. Um, so, the casual fan is probably not going to make that trip. Uh, you just hope it's within driving distance wherever it is. Um, that bowl in Santa Clara would sure be nice. The Red Box Bowl. That's a Power Five game. That's a pretty big payout relative to what the Bulldogs would see. Um, but yeah, if the Bulldogs lose, it gets interesting on where they might end up. It could go a lot of different ways, but if they win, it seems pretty likely it's new year six, hopefully in the Fiesta bowl. If not probably Vegas outside shot at Santa Clara. Now you have this whole breakdown on the website, right? Yeah, we're getting to that point. Um, it's gotten to the point where we can kind of tell what's going on, except that one scenario. If the Bulldogs lose, you're not quite sure how that might break down. Now, so things are things are about to unless UCF also loses and Boise State goes to the Fiesta Bowl, that opens up the <laughs> Fresno State Bulldogs back for the top Mountain West spot too. Well, so see, that's, that's a thing there too. So either three way. out of four scenarios are good for the Bulldogs. So you just don't want that last one. So either way, if the Bulldogs lose, you want UCF to lose along with them. Uh-huh. You know that helps. Boise State goes to the Fiesta Bowl, which in turn helps the Mountain West with. Uh, getting money, although it's never good when Boise goes because they get the lion's share of it for some reason, right? Um, and that that contract needs to be done away with, as far as I see it. But you know, I, how long? Actually, how long is that contract? Is that grandfathered in for good, or is that just for a certain amount of time? Yeah, that I'm not sure, but they really needed it at the time when Boise State was looking to go elsewhere. Yeah, so no, there's not so many opportunities. <laughs> yeah, so maybe they'll need to kind of renegotiate that at some point again. Um, but 
you know, you you want you want UCF to lose either way. Because if Boise wins, they go to the Fiesta Bowl. That opens up a better bowl for the Bulldogs, whether it be Las Vegas Bowl, which the coaching staff doesn't like. But you know what? It's not up to the coaching staff. <laughs> um, or, you know, maybe the Santa Clara one or stuff. You know, I'd love to go to the Santa Clara one. Mm. That one would be. Yeah, for, I think Red Wave would go to that one big time. Uh, that'd be a big draw right there. I mean, that stadium is amazing uh, to play in. Uh, no, no knock on the Las Vegas stadium. I mean, it's a it's a nice stadium, but it, it's no it, it's no Levi Stadium. <laughs> I mean, let's just put it that way. That that place is probably going to be amazing, um, and you know, people will travel there. Uh, it's not that far away from San Francisco. They'll just make it a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> but it it all depends on what happens this weekend. And I know a lot of Bulldog fans are going to be watching all kinds of football especially that UCF football game, and just to see what happens there. And then things will start to get rocking and rolling. Do you have a weather report for Boise? Cold. Are we going? <laughs> yeah, I get cold, but are we going to see snow? Because it's been notoriously around this time is when it starts to snow there. Hey, you know, interestingly, the forecast has not said snow until today. <laughs> Right now, uh, right around kickoff time, it keeps climbing up a few percentages each hour, it seems like. This morning it was 40%. Now it's 44 to 50% snow, or at least precipitation. Could be rain, could be snow. There's a, a high of 39, so around kickoff it might not quite be cold enough, uh, but by the end of the night, probably. Uh, so right now, you know, if you're not in the Valley, you, you may not have realized how much it's rained here, and the Bulldogs have practiced for the first time all year in rain. So that might prepare them for what they're going to see in Boise. Um, but doesn't look like it's going to be pleasant regardless. Uh, it's going to be interesting. All I can say, Jackson, is wear your long johns. Yeah. Because you're going to need them. Um, but, you know, make sure you stay nice and warm at that game. Because <laughs> uh, I'm not going with you. <laughs> but that being said, I think, Jackson, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Any final thoughts on on anything that we've talked about today? Uh, it's just been an exciting week, and it's uh, really nice that we're in this place, considering how disappointing the last trip to Boise was. And um, the Bulldogs have bounced back pretty quickly, and they've got a chance to make up for it this weekend and really do something special. If they can get that spot in the Fiesta Bowl or even the Vegas Bowl, would, would be a very uh, exciting way to finish off this season and a good two-year stretch for this coaching staff and this big group of seniors. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna. It's been a fun year. Um, but rest assured, these podcasts are not going to end. Uh, Jackson and I are committed to continue to doing podcasts, uh, whether it be weekly or biweekly until, until we get things rolling again. Um, but we're probably going to switch gears to basketball. Basketball just started up. You want to touch upon, uh, the, the last night's game a yeah. little bit, Jackson? Well, one other thing, this is about to be the most exciting time for recruiting. December, uh, the week after this conference championship game is going to be probably the biggest weekend of the year for official visits. It's going to make our heads spin. Yeah, we're going, to, we're going to have our best to have the scoop on which recruits are here, if they're going to lean towards Fresno State. And right now, with eight solid commitments and one soft commitment, you can find out more about that soft one on the premium board. Uh, there's spots to be had, and there may be some open spots for the February signing period. Last year, Fresno State had over 90% of their class wrapped up in December. This time it might be interesting all the way till February, so it's going to get uh, exciting on the recruiting trail. Uh, as far as basketball goes, we had an exciting one at the Save Mart Center. Uh, Bulldogs jump out to a 16 to one lead and lead for 39 minutes of 40 in regulation and get pushed into overtime. They've got to come up with a big shot and one just to put it there at the end of the game, and then they lead for another what, three or four minutes in overtime and still only win by three. It was a bizarre game and uh, <laughs> not the Bulldogs' best showing of the year, but this is an exciting group and they're doing different things than they did under Coach Terry and they're pressing on defense. They're very up-tempo on offense. They launch a lot of threes. Uh, it's a very exciting brand of basketball and they it feels like they're playing harder. They're playing more efficiently at times and um, it makes you feel pretty good about what they can do this season. They've got three seniors that are putting up big numbers and are, should be good enough to carry this team when the inexperienced guys don't quite play their best. But 
I mean, outside of Nevada, who is the the heavy favorite in the Mountain West, this should be a fun team to watch and make a run if the Mountain West can get another bid or two after the Wolfpack. Now, if uh, if you didn't head over to last night's game, uh, or you don't like going to a lot of the games because you say the tickets are just too expensive, you missed <laughs> out, right, Jackson? Because last night, all you had to do was show that you liked the Fresno State uh, uh, Athletics Facebook page, and you got in for free. Yeah. So if you didn't go last night, you missed out. <laughs> and is that something that the, the, the Fresno State is going to try to push a little bit to try to up the crowd a little bit? Yeah, I think we'll see some more promotions, more so for the bigger games. Uh, there's always going to be some attempts when you have, I mean, in this home stretch, there's some names that aren't going to draw a lot of fans. And Pacific used to be a big deal. UOP, the Tigers from Stockton, uh, used to, who the Bulldogs played last night, used to be a pretty big rivalry. Now, not so much. Uh, they haven't played for a couple of years, and Pacific's been down a little bit. Um but you've got some big games coming up. You've got Cal coming to the Save Mart Center in December. Uh, Nevada is going to be one of the first conference games, and they're ranked in the top ten in the nation right now. Um, so usually the university goes all out for those big games, and you cross your fingers, hope they get a win, and that uh, it gets people to come back the next time. Yeah, and so there's you know you keep your eyes open for a few more promotions. Um, but uh, Jackson and I will continue to do our coverage of basketball, so you'll be able to see that up on the website as football starts to dwindle down. Uh, granted, we will still be able to track the recruiting uh, because once this year's recruiting is done, we get started on next year's recruiting already. <laughs> so it doesn't, it never ends for us. So, uh, but it, it, we do have our periods where it becomes sort of a dead period for us. We try to supplement with other sports like basketball. Um, and maybe even a little more baseball this season. Uh, who knows? We'll, we'll, we're going to kind of come up with a game plan as things get a little closer out there. But, you know, you can always come back. We'll have more of these podcasts, uh, whether we're covering one sport or another, or just giving you an update on recruiting for Fresno State. We'll continue to do some of these podcasts and, and other things on the website. Uh, just go over to thebarkboard.com and take a look there. You can find Jackson Moore on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. And you can find us both uh, on TheBarkBoard.com. Just look for our names. And uh, you can send us some private messages if you'd like. If you're not a, uh, a person who has liked our Facebook page yet, head over to the BarkBoard Facebook page. Give it a like. We thought we were putting a... An, a, a lofty goal of getting to 4,500 uh, likes on our Facebook page. We're actually getting pretty close to that now, and we wanted to do it before the end of the year. So if you haven't liked the page yet, head over to Facebook and like our page. You'll get a lot of the uh, upfront information. As soon as we find something out, we, we tag our stories onto Facebook there so that you can actually find it quicker uh, and back to our website. That being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again back next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.